Well, hello, good morning. You're very welcome along to The Gardening Show. We're going to go straight down to Cork and say a very big good morning to you, Porrick, down at the big festival down there. A very good morning to you, Viv, and to our listeners. And it's absolutely glorious down here in Mallow. It's the Mallow Garden Festival, Viv. Uh, It's actually nearly three years since I've been back down because of COVID. um, And the crowds yesterday were just enormous. We had a beautiful day. There are 25 show gardens and I suppose I would describe it as the mini bloom of uh, Munster. So it uh, replicates, I suppose, Bloom in the Park that, that will be on next week and the Chelsea Flower Show. It's Cork's version of that. 25 show gardens, about 200 stands, great Irish growers here, some beautiful plants in flower. I mean, I'll be going home probably with a bootful myself. And of course, I'm down giving talks uh, Friday, Saturday and Sunday, and along with uh, a lineup of some of the best Irish gardening experts. Charlie Wilkins, a great old friend of mine, is here. Charlie's in his 80s, Viv, and, and is still gardening every day. And uh, is a picture of health. I haven't seen him for years, but such a knowledgeable and, and man and, and such a gentleman, a great gardener. Uh, I've had him in Castlebar many, many times. And Peter Dowdle is with us as well. Peter does a piece with RTE and uh, he's giving talks as well. So it's a very, very busy weekend. My voice is nearly gone from yesterday. I was going to say that to you. You're very, yeah. very hoarse this morning, I tell you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it wasn't due to any any late night, I can tell uh, you. Yeah. It was um, <laughs> early bed because we had, a, we had a very, very busy show here yesterday. So really looking forward to it. The day is absolutely glorious. And I believe back in Connacht, the weather, you, you mentioned 16 to 20 degrees. This is really the weather we've been looking for all spring. So it's going to be fantastic gardening weather. So really my advice to our own listeners is really to embrace the good weather now over the next couple of days. Um, The frost is gone at this stage, so there's no risk of frost. So in terms of adding colour to your garden, this is the weekend to get out and get those bedding plants into the garden soil. And there's some lovely plants available at the moment, not just here at the show, but but, um, back home in Mayo. um, There's some beautiful plants like the scented Nemesia. Look for that one. There's a whole range of different colours. If you want something with a bit of instant colour and instant scent, then scented nemesias are terrific. They're in flower at the moment, but they're going to stay right in flower right through until September, October. And they're lovely in baskets, containers, out in the border soil, anywhere you want a splash of colour and a splash of scent. So look for those. There's beautiful chrysanthemums available at the moment. They used to be called agaranthemum. Chrysanthemum is probably an easier name. Look for those. They come in shades of red, white, yellow and pink. Um, and they're, they're called the Stella family of chrysanthemums. And they're in bloom now, but they flower from now until, again, October. And you can often get them as a standard with a clean stem, so they're ideal to give a bit of height in a pot. So you've got a nice clean stem and a big bunch of flowers at the top. And you can underplant the Stella chrysanthemums with something like begonias, which, again, will flower right through they're starting now and we'll go right through to the end of the summer. And also we're into the time of year. I always associate bloom and, and midsummer with hydrangeas. And of course, some of my favourite varieties are the paniculata family. Um, I've always described them as the, the, the 99 uh, ice cream because they produce these beautiful cones of flower. And you've got varieties like limelight, bobo, phantom, a lovely red variety called whims red which is beautiful. And they, if planted now, will come into flower this summer and they will go right through to the end of the year as well. Scented dianthus, dahlias, for example, a great time to plant dahlias into the garden. An old favourite plant of mine, the anthraniums, they're making a comeback. I remember those 
My grandmother used to grow them years and years ago. They have a really beautiful cottage garden plant called the anthranium. Um, such an easy plant to grow. It comes in a whole range of different colours, but they're available as plants now. And what I often find with anthraniums, they'll flower, we call them the snapdragons. That was the old name for them. They flower right through to the end of the summer. But if you deadhead them regularly, they'll continue to flower. But also if you cut them back in early autumn, they'll come back next year again. So they're one of these plants you can coax back for a second year. And particularly our our older listeners, my vintage and older, will remember the anthraniums as an old cottage garden favourite. Um, lavenders, of course, are featuring at the moment. And people will notice the lupins beginning to flower in gardens all right around the country. This is the time of year to plant lupins into your gardens. So it's a really good planting weekend. The soil conditions are really good, Viv, because there's lots of moisture in the soil, yeah. but the soil is still very workable. So the, the rain that we have had in the last number of weeks that's stored in the soil now and this bit of heat we're going to see really really strong growth and um, so a really good weekend for planting and uh, do keep an eye out on the slope control as well particularly for new plants if you're putting them in for pots and containers we're finding the um, copper tape working really well so you can get that in your local garden center it's a copper tape on a it's like a, a roll of sellotape and you put it around the top of your pots and the, the slugs won't cross it and um, so that's really effective but there's plenty of good organic treatments at the moment the other word of warning is just blight has been knocking around we mentioned it on last week's program they potato blight and tomato blight met air and issued a couple of warnings there's no blight for this weekend but my advice really is to treat whilst you have the dry weather it's no harm if you have some tomatoes or potatoes to put on some of the blight treatment now because you need dry conditions to apply it and that will protect your plants for the next two to three weeks if you'd put on an application now so that should be done at this time of year big feature here in mallow is the whole grow your own organic growing is really trending people i suppose going back to growing some of their five a day because a, i suppose the the price of food is going up but also it's a superb time of year uh, to plant vegetables and we often associate the planting of seed in in springtime but at this time of year you've got the perfect temperatures for sowing carrots and parsnips and turnips and swades there's plenty of time yet and it's one of the questions i've been asked quite a bit in mallow you know, is it too late? And and the answer is it's not. The temperatures are absolutely perfect at the moment for sowing the plants of vegetables, and they're all available in your local garden centre, but also the seed of vegetables as well. So all the savoy cabbages and lettuces and salads and all the things we love to eat during the summer can be sown at this time of the year, both from seeds and plants. So don't feel that it's too late for that. It's also a good time of year, we're speaking of sowing seeds, to sow the seeds of plants that flower in winter and spring. So at this time of year, gardening is always, always about that sowing and reaping principle. What we sow today, we harvest later on. So in terms of flowering plants, the lupins I mentioned are flowering at the moment, but it's actually at this time of year you sow them from seed for next year. So if you're interested in growing some of flowering plants, particularly for next year, or next spring and summer, this is actually the time of year to do it and the temperatures are absolutely perfect. So Top of mind will be plants like wallflowers, forget-me-nots, sweet williams, double daisies, lupins, foxgloves, um, achilleas, all the, the herbaceous perennial plants that come back year after year. Canterbury bells, for example, a beautiful plant, and you can plant it now so easy from seed. And finally, Viv, the key thing I'll be doing again this weekend, if you haven't done it already, is get those hanging baskets and patio planters planted with hanging basket plants. So the training fuchsias, the training geraniums, the lovely white bacopa, all those plants, training petunias, they're available now. Get them into the hanging baskets, give them a good watering, put them in a sunny location for maybe two weeks just to let them grow on and then hang them up 
in around the middle of June and you'd have fantastic colour then right through to late summer. So they're the sort of things um, and keep on top of the weeds. The, 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 the last job I did before I left Mayo on Wednesday evening, I got out the garden hoe and, and brought it for a spin around the garden. And uh, because the weeds have certainly enjoyed the very wet conditions we've had for the last couple of weeks. And uh, with this accelerated heat now, we're going to see lots of weed growth. So do get out and keep those at bay and keep the garden in tip-top condition. While I have you there, I have a listener in Castlereagh had a problem with uh, cats, planted some lovely plants and the cats came in and absolutely ruined them. Is there any way sort of organically or safely to get rid of those cats or get rid of that situation? They have chicken wire around the plants now just to protect the plants. Jerry Daly always recommended a good Jack Russell in every garden to keep the rabbits and the, and the cats and everything out. Yeah. But uh, you can get you can get a, a treatment called scent off. It's a scented uh, crystal that you apply to the soil. It's not harmful to the cat, the smell of which they dislike and, and that helps to deter them. I mean, really what they're going for is the freshly dug soil. Yeah. So when they see um, soil that's been tilled and, and so on, the cat's you know, can, can can come in and actually start using that. So that's really what they're going after rather than the plants themselves. There is a lovely plant called cat mint, Nepita, and that's available at this time of year. It's actually in flower in my garden at the moment. It's a lovely little plant, but the cats actually love that plant. And if you plant it maybe somewhere at the back of the garden or somewhere out of the way, you'll bring them to that area of your garden rather than the freshly planted plants. So look for that plant in your local garden centre. It's actually a great flowering plant so it's a plant called Nepeta Walker's Low. It's a low-growing silverleaf plant. I often recommend it instead of lavender because it suits the west of Ireland so much better than lavender. And it's a great ground suppressant. It's great for uh, covering over weeds yeah. and flowers. It's in flower in my garden for the last three weeks and to go on till October. Garden so mint. So Nepeta. Yeah, garden mint. It's called Nepeta Walker's Low or cat mint is the common name cat because mint, it yeah. smells of mint. Yeah. And uh, but you need to plant it at the back of the garden somewhere where the cats will bring the cats to that spot rather than around, around your vegetable garden. Talk to me a little bit about uh, starting a compost bin. Is this the good time of the year to do it? It's a great time, Viv, and, and it, it, that's a very good question because one, one of the pieces that we're featuring in today's programme, I went in to see Barry Ralph, Barry and, and Nora Ralph, and um, we visited their urban farm in the middle of Castle Bar, right at the back of the restaurant. And one of the things that impressed me greatly was their compost bins. Barry has two bins there. He obviously uses a lot of the brown waste from the from the kitchen and also green waste um that from the garden and also from the kitchen to make perfect compost and you want to see what comes out at the end of it and he uses that himself and nora use that compost with a little bit of chicken manure to grow all the vegetables for the for the house plates and you know it, it just reminded me that it's such a great time just to actually start making compost because you're cutting the lawns we're pulling out weeds. There's lots of kitchen waste that you can use, both brown and green uh, kitchen waste uh, in the compost heap. And the temperatures are perfect for making compost. So if you start now by using some kitchen waste, anything that's compostable, shredded newspapers, there's loads of things, eggshells. You'll hear Barry speak about it in the piece that we recorded. And put in a little bit of activator with it, a little bit of the grotto activator just to accelerate the breakdown. You'd have tremendous compost by next March or April that you'll be able to use in, in the beds. And Barry speaks about using it in the raised beds and in the tunnels and just top dressing the beds. Um, so a great time 
to start a compost heap because there's so much material and you're also reducing your old household waste as well. You're not yeah. putting out as much garbage at the end of the day and you're turning um, good compostable material back into usable compost. Um, you know, and you'll hear Barry speak about, you'll often see a bit of eggshell or maybe a bit of a tea bag or whatever in the compost when you're spreading it out. But that's all, that's the beauty of it. Okay, we're going to be going into our first audio piece when we come back from the break. So just to tell the listeners quickly what what, what, what happened, I think it was last Monday or Tuesday we were up in Belmullet, weren't we? Yeah, we took a spin because, simply because the amount of questions we're getting uh, during the spring, of particularly about wind damage, about salt damage, and seaside gardens, I mean, you know, we're bordered so much by the seaside and people do have genuine issues with wind and salt. So we decided to, well, where better to go than Broadhaven Bay? Um, and the garden we featured is right in the centre of Belmullet, but it's literally within 10 yards of the ocean. Um, so you've got the sea breeze, you've got the salt coming in, but it's a lovely little urban garden and um, nicely planted. There was some nice mature planting. My recollection, there was some beautiful Boston ivies growing up the wall. There were lovely fuchsias just beginning to come into flower. So the listener had actually planted quite a bit of material that was doing really well. But I brought down a few extra plants to cover a large wall, but also to add a bit of instant colour. So we brought down some salvias. We brought down some hydrangeas that I mentioned already, the, the beautiful um Paniculata family, plants like Pittosporum and Parahibi, which are ideal for seaside locations. So it was a lovely day and we were treated to to uh, sandwiches and, and uh, refreshments and uh, we, we did a lovely piece in the garden as well. OK, for the moment, thanks, Porik. We will run that piece as soon as we come back from the break. Welcome back after the break. Well, today we're in Belmullet and you'll have a big smile on your face, Porrick. You seem like a happy boy. Well, it's absolutely beautiful day here in Belmullet. I'm looking out at Broadhaven Bay Viv. What a beautiful view. The garden we're in is actually south-facing, so we're getting the full blast of the sun. And But it's also open, particularly to the east, so there's quite a bit of wind that comes in there in salt air, particularly during the spring and autumn and winter period. The garden itself is has quite a bit of planting done already, some mature plants, plants doing really, really well. But I've brought along a collection of seaside plants that I think are going to do exceptionally well in this garden. Well, I suppose the first thing that people would be concerned about in a seaside situation is uh, protection and you know protection from the elements. Can you suggest anything that people might have, first of all, as a, a protection against those elements? Well, for any exposed garden or any seaside garden, the initial shelter and protection is essential. And the plants that I was admiring, actually, as we drove into Belmullet, were plants like this one here. This is a plant called Euonymus japonicus and as the name suggests it comes to us from japan but does brilliantly here in the west of ireland particularly in seaside locations it's a green plant it's evergreen and um, very very hardy it will grow that one in particular is about three meters high at the moment and about uh, 20 feet long and it's given very good protection here to the garden so that's critically important the other hedges that i notice Viv, on the way in are hedges like iliagnus abengii which is that lovely silver leaf plant and escalonia even though it's only the middle of may is actually in flower at the moment and again a great plant to give initial shelter so that's critically important for any exposed gardens a couple of trees i admired as well on the way in particularly the um sorbus the white beam sorbus arilutescens that does exceptionally well here as well very wind tolerant and very salt tolerant but looking around 
around us. The plants that are doing particularly well here in the garden are some of the herbaceous border plants, like the geranium. That particular geranium there, Viv, is um, a lovely one called Roseanne. It's a low-growing. It flowers from now right through until late October, early November, and then it disappears in the winter but re-emerges next spring again, so it's protecting itself. Other plants you could consider for seaside areas are plants like Rudbeckia, which is a beautiful yellow-flowering plant that comes in different heights depending on the size of the bed and the size of the garden. But Rudbeckia, again, gives fabulous colour from mid-June right through again until November and is so easy to grow. A lovely primula that I brought along today is one called Primula vivalii. And vivalii is just coming into flower at the moment. Beautiful pink and purple flowers. Such a simple plant to grow and flowers again every year. Okay, so that's some of the plants you have here. Now, you had a brief before you came here to do a particular thing. So what was the brief, first of all? Well, the brief was to, to bring along plants, obviously, that are going to give um, as much colour as possible, that are going to tolerate the wind and the salt air, but particularly against this wall, Viv. We're looking at a dry stone wall that's south-facing. The wall itself is at least 12 feet high. It runs roughly about 30 feet along the entire length of the property. And there are some plants, some fuchsias planted, but I wanted to bring along plants that would help to cover the wall. And the plant that I particularly like is a lovely um, foliage plant with bright yellow flowers called Sephoria. And Sephoria is easy to grow and um, particularly in seaside gar- gardens. It loves growing against a wall and it will produce pea-like yellow flowers right through the summer. So you can see the young ferny growth is starting on it at the moment. The plant itself is about four feet high at the moment but it's going to grow 12 feet high within about two or three years and it'll grow anything up to three or four metres in diameter. I've also planted one of the Lavateria. This is a, one called Barnsley Baby. It's a Again, very free flowering. You can see the flowers are just starting on it. And again, lavateria will grow anything up to seven or eight feet. Again, helping to cover the wall, but flowering from mid-May right through until November. And lavateria absolutely loves seaside conditions. Now, let's move over to the border here, because right the length of the garden, which is about 70 or 80 feet long, there is uh, already some planting done, but you've decided to intersperse that with some beauties. Uh, Let's start off with that. We have to start off with that. That's a lovely plant. I brought two of these along because we have a a border here that I want to give a little bit of height to. And I mentioned the hydrangea paniculatus in last week's programme. This is a particularly good variety called Phantom, but I've selected it on a nice clean stem. So you've got a, a clean stem, for about a metre high and then you've got the beautiful phantom hydrangea right at the very top. The flower buds are just beginning to form on it as we speak and that plant is going to come into flower for June and flower right through to November and all you have to do at the end of the uh, summer, end of the winter is give it a light pruning back and it comes back into growth next year. So look for What colour flowers? That phantom is a white variety, but you've also got varieties of hydrangea like uh, Vanilla Freeze, which has white and pink in the flower. A lovely red variety called Whims Red, which is a beautiful red variety. And these produce really large flowers right through until the end of the summer, right up until we get the hard frost in November. So a really terrific plant. I've also brought yeah, along... Let's go and have a look at that one. Yeah, so a couple of other herbaceous plants, which again are going to give that a lot of... striking there, isn't it? What's well, that? there's two different colours. So these yeah. are salvias but these are perennial salvias that come back year after year. I've brought you a pink 
form, a beautiful pink form, and also a blue form. And again, these are um, relatively low growing, again, up to about two feet in height. So very sturdy plants, but very, very free flowering. The bees absolutely love this plant, Fave. And that particular salvia is going to stay in flower again until late October into November. It's perennial. It comes back year after year and such an easy plant to, bro- to grow. Um, you'll also notice uh, plants in the borders, some flower carpet roses which do exceptionally well in seaside areas they're disease resistant low growing and flower they're going to, going to come into flower in about two or three weeks time but again flower through to the end of the summer i also brought just a little splash of color a couple of plants fave just to give a bit of instant color for the summer two plants in particular you've got the lovely bidens um it's a two-toned bidens just very low growing very easy to grow and just starting to flower now and again it's going to flower right through to the end of the summer and the lovely diaceas this is that red diacea which again is quite low growing easy to grow and again flowers right through to the end of the summer and gives that nice carpet effect in the corner we've put a couple of shrubby plants plants that are going to grow a little bit more woody uh, with flower and foliage color again it's going to tolerate the the um, wind and the salt and do very well in the south facing area so two plants in particular one is a hypericum called tricolor so it's got three colors in the leaf and a lovely yellow flower very easy to grow and the plant with the purple foliage is a plant called a physocarpus rubellia I know it's a, it's a big mouthful of a name, but such an easy plant to grow. So it's got this lovely purple foliage. Um, it comes on in early March. It'll stay on right through to the end of the summer, produce a pinky white flower during the summer. Um, and it's a plant that responds well to trimming back if you want to keep it low and, and full, or if you want to let it grow a little bit taller. In this instant, because it's right at the end of the garden, I want to see it up about four or five feet in time to give a real big splash of color right there at the end of the bed. Okay, so we've talked about the plants here. Now, listeners who are in exposed areas, just let's recap quickly on what they should be looking for in a plant for this type of uh, this type of climate. So for seaside areas and exposed gardens, the shelter is critical, Viv. So you need to start with the boundaries, putting in the proper plants that are going to tolerate the, the wind, and particularly in seaside areas, the salt. So the Euonymus japonicus, I can highly recommend. The Iliagnus abengii with the silver lovely silver foliage and the Escalonia which produced the nice pink flower so easy to grow and you get that initial protection to the garden okay well that's fantastic Porik thank you so much for making the trip down here I've really enjoyed my afternoon thanks to the listeners down here for looking after us too with the bit of tea and everything it was absolutely delicious wasn't it a great welcome a great welcome here in Balmullet and a beautiful garden I think the plants that we've added are going to add so much extra colour right through the summer the hydrangeas the salvias the bidens that lovely primula vivalii which is going into into flower another little plant called cicerinchium which again is see it there with the little blue flowers, lovely foliage, really tough, really hardy. So it's a great time of year for planting plants. Soil conditions are really, really good. And if you get plants into the ground at this time of year, they've got the whole summer to settle in before we get back into the depths of winter. And just finally, recap on the coverage, the plants that can be used for coverage. Well, for the wall I used um, to cover that wall, and in, indeed just to tell listeners that the, the garden actually has some Boston ivy doing really well. The Boston ivy has gone right up that 12 or 13 feet already, and it's spread about 20 feet. So that's doing exceptionally well. Some lovely honeysuckle as well planted, um, and some of the uh, Montana clematis, which is in flower at the moment. I brought two plants, the Lavateria, 
Barnsley Baby, which again is coming into flower now and will flower right through to the end of the summer, but also the Sephoria, that beautiful mid-sun, it's called, because of the beautiful bright yellow flowers right through the summer period. Um, so a really good, nice combination of, of planting. And then for the shelter, we talked about the Euonymus japonicus, which is absolutely brilliant, easy to trim, easy to shape, gives fantastic protection and shelter, and of course, holds the foliage 12 months of the year, but you can also maybe mix some silver foliage from the Iliagnus fengii or something like Grisolinia or Escalonia will tolerate the salty air as well. Look at that plant in the background, Faith, and Marlene was saying to me that her dad planted that particular tree Oh, it must be many, many years ago. It's a cord line. It's roughly about 30 feet tall. It's multi-stemmed. Look, there's three or four stems on it. It's actually in flower as we speak. And that plant is taking all the wind. It's evergreen. So it takes all the wind and the salt right through the winter. And Marlene has actually two lovely purple, a purple leaf variety of cord line and a variegated variety for many years in pots and containers on the patio. They're doing very well here in Belmullet. Well, from Belmullet, we'll uh, go back to studio. Well, there we are. We're back in the studio now, Porik. Uh, yeah, it was an oasis, that garden, wasn't it? Oh, it was a terrific. It was a beautiful day in Belmullet, which I, I suppose set the scene lovely for us. And looking out in Broadhaven Bay um, on, on a sunny day, it's, it's picturesque. Um, but you can imagine it during the winter, the challenges with the with the salt air and the high wind. And yet so many plants were thriving in the garden. Um, you know, that Boston ivy that I mentioned uh, you know, covering the wall. Of course, it's deciduous. It drops its leaves in, in winter and that helps to protect it. And particularly in seaside gardens, many of the herbaceous border plants, plants that emerge in the spring and flower through the summer, but die back at the end of the summer into the ground, of course, protect themselves. Plants like the hostas we mentioned and lupins and um, all of those, rubecchia, the rubecchia, which is a terrific plant for long periods of summer colour. But of course, it's beneath the soil in the winter and totally protect it. Uh, so a lot of herbaceous planting is also highly advisable in windy or exposed areas because the plants are physically not there. They're, they're beneath the soil hiding until the following spring and they multiply in size. So putting in one rubecchia plant after a couple of years, it starts to spread and form nice thick clumps and you can divide them and put them around the garden and so on. So, yeah, beautiful. Great day. Great and, you, and you can actually hear the wind in the background, even though it was a fairly calm day. It was. It was. I think it was Monday that we were there, and it was. It was a lovely, sunny, calm day. Uh, but yeah, of course, the wind and the salt air—it's it's not too far away. So yeah, always a challenge. Always okay. a challenge. In the next part of the show, we're going to be going to Castle Bar. Uh, so what we'll do though is we'll take a break, and I'll come back to you as soon as we come back, and you can do an introduction for our second piece today. Certainly. And you're very welcome back to the Garden Show. Uh, good morning, Park. You're you're still there, are you? I certainly am. Just before we go to our piece that we recorded, a uh, listener has some green fly on their blackcurrants and gooseberries. Is there a safe option to keep them bug free this summer? Absolutely. There's a treatment called Bug Clear, which is very safe to use. It's actually made from oilseed rape, of all things. And uh, that's very effective on, on aphids and caterpillars. So that can be used very safely on fruit and veg. So it's called Bug Clear. And you are going to find, Viv, with this warm weather, uh, aphids, white fly, black fly, uh, particularly black currants, gooseberries, um, red currants, lupins, for example. And uh, there's a big aphid that it, that often visits our, our lupins. So keep an eye out for them. And of course, treat your roses as well. But bud clear is very, very safe on fruit and vegetables. You can literally apply today and eat the crop tomorrow. Okay, uh, so it's, it's the one to use. Okay, I'm going to run this piece that you recorded in Castlebar. So we'll let, run that and I'll talk to the other side of it, okay? Okay, yeah. Well, a very good morning. As I mentioned last week, I 
we are out and about uh, today and I've come to the House of Plates restaurant right in the centre of Castle Bar to speak to Barry Ralph and his daughter Nora. Uh, we're actually in their urban garden. Barry, good morning. Good morning, Porrick. How are you? Not too bad. Will you paint the scene for us? Okay, so we are situated in Castlebar Town Centre. Um, that's what we call it, our urban farm. Um, it's not a very big of an area. We have got about 10 outside beds, a uh, 25-foot tunnel, um, compost bins, beehives. That's pretty much us. And we're looking, uh, we're in the, uh, the tunnel actually at the moment. Good morning, Nora. Morning. So we're in the tunnel. Um, what are we looking at, Nora? T- tell the listeners about some of the plants we're looking at here. We are looking at the borage yeah. and the tomatoes yeah. and broccoli. Yeah. And I see some beetroot. Yeah, and you have some lovely nasturtiums yeah. there coming into flower. Yeah. Your dad was telling me earlier that the flowers and the leaves are edible on the nasturtium flower. Yeah. And you've also got the English marigold, the calendula here. Yeah. Beautiful orange flowers. And again, the flowers and the leaves are edible on that, aren't they? Yeah. So it's really, really full, really doing very well, Barry. Um, you have some seedlings started for planting out later on? Uh, yeah, so basically what we do is we try and plant every month. So we would start our seedlings off, they go into the ground, and then we'd start the whole process again so that we have uh, vegetables throughout the summer. Little and often, isn't Little it? Little and often, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I might buy a packet of seeds and I might plant three times from the same, pack, from okay. the same packet. Yeah. yeah, and when do you start sowing? Uh, I start sowing probably, depending on the weather, uh, usually it depended on uh, frost, uh, I could sow inside usually around uh, the end of February. Um, February and sow right uh, through. Sow right through, yeah, every, every, every three weeks. Yeah. 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 And as Nora said, you've got some fabulous broccoli. Now I notice you have broccoli in the tunnel, but you've also some purple sprouting broccoli outside. Yeah, so I suppose the way it is, um, the growing season would have stopped for us probably in September, so I wanted something to keep in the tunnel over the winter, so I started sprouting broccoli from seed uh, probably last August, and I filled the tunnel with uh, sprouting broccoli throughout the winter, and before anything else was ready to harvest, probably in March, April, um, the broccoli was ready, and so it was great return on the tunnel for the winter. It's vegetable, isn't it? I mean, you, the more you crop it, the more it keeps on giving. Exactly, it keeps giving, yeah, just, uh, to, just to stop it uh, bolting, I suppose, take the middle out of it in time, and the side shoots will keep coming. Uh, they're still coming out, you know, and that's just been giving us a yield since probably March. And you were saying to me earlier that you actually let some of the flowers blossom into that lovely yellow flower to garnish exactly yeah uh, so i do always keep seven or eight plants back and deliberately let them go to seed so that they go to flower so that i have them for garnish yeah they make a lovely garnish flower and you could collect your own seed from exactly collect your own. exactly yeah i also noticed some aubergines some tomatoes um as nora says the borage is, is coming into flower it's absolutely fabulous fennel there in the background um your nasturtiums and also you have a, an area given over to cut and come lettuce uh, yeah, we would, yeah, we would plant our salad leaves every three weeks. So what would I, I would do is, uh, take an area of the tunnel, put down my seeds, and when they just start to get uh, probably about an inch tall, I do set another line right beside them. So when we're cutting them, there's more coming behind them, and they're constantly coming, uh, throughout the summer. Um, like we'll have our own salad leaves probably right up to October. Oh yeah, absolutely. And the more you cut, the more they're coming and the more they're giving. And you also have some pak choy in the, Pak choy, yeah. Um, we use a lot of pak choy on our plates. It's a lovely soft vegetable uh, mixed through sauces and stuff like that. Um, uh, what else have we in here? We have rocket down below. Rocket, yeah. yeah uh, the nasturtiums. 
Uh, we grow them especially in the tunnel uh, to get bigger leaves. We make a nice green oil out of them. It's a nice peppery oil. Um, what else have we got? Uh, the tomatoes, the borage. We also have some corn flour here. They have a lovely... Uh, they have a lovely blue, uh, multi- flower. blue, blue yeah. flower, yeah, and we pick the petals off. And brilliant uh, for bringing the bees in. Exactly. And Bee- borage is, and great, borage is great for the bees yeah. as well. Um, we also have uh, pak choy, uh, spinach, beetroot, uh, there's some sage down the back. And then I suppose outside then... So just uh, to describe outside, you've got lovely timber raised beds on a gravel pathway or gravel area and you were saying to me that the gravel you find the lime dust helps to keep the slugs and snails exactly away. we don't have a problem with the outside beds with slugs they don't like to cross the the lime dust um, so out here then we have cabbages nearly ready to harvest Lovely. they went in there there all winter we also have curly kale uh, purple sprout and broccoli brussels sprouts more pak choy there's rhubarb we have two different types of mint there we have apple mint and chocolate mint we have fennel, uh, we have a bed of strawberries, there's leeks up there, there's chives at two different stages, uh, there's more courgettes, then a few herbs, bay leaf, thyme, rosemary, and right up the top there is a big bed of raspberries. And all packed into a relatively small garden. I mean, this is a typical urban garden. It's probably 60 or 70 feet by maybe 30 feet in diameter. Yeah, that's all it is, yeah. and we're surrounded by buildings and tall trees. Um, but like it gets enough light and like if we can do this here right in the middle of the town like you know anybody can do this absolutely and you use a lot of the produce obviously um, for home use but also here in the House of Plates restaurant yeah I suppose uh, like we're six years old now the garden is here about five years uh, the tunnel um, so when I started off growing first um, I wanted to really grow things that we would use in the restaurant and I suppose the main thing for us was to get uh, stuff as fresh as possible. Yeah. So a big thing for us would have been the likes of salad leaves, uh, edible flowers, another really uh, important thing for us. Like you can't um, buy edible flowers. They're just not fresh when they come into you. Um, Same with microgreens, microherbs. The likes of the rhubarb, we put it in once. It's there every year. Yeah. It comes back. Yeah. Same with the fennel. It keeps coming back. The strawberries keep coming back. And actually, they multiply every year. Yeah. Um, the raspberries as well. Like, you know, there's not much work to it. I probably spend about three hours a week in the urban farm. Yeah, and you keep it in absolutely tip-top condition. Well, Nora, what is your favourite plant here in the urban garden? I like the strawberries, the rhubarb, and and the... Um, peas. And the peas, yeah. You were saying to me earlier, you love growing garden peas. Do you like the sugar snap peas or the round peas or some of each? Uh, the sugar snap peas. Oh, they're delicious, aren't they? They're so yeah. sweet. Well, look at I brought you along some plants. So come out here and I show you. I brought you uh, a selection of plants from the garden centre. So these are all little baby plants that you can plant in your own garden at home or you can plant them here in the House Plates Urban Garden. I brought you a little tomato plant. The tomatoes are ready for picking already. That's a little baby tomato plant. So you can grow that on your windowsill at home. I've also brought you the lemon-scented geranium. Wasn't that fabulous? Yeah. Beautiful. What type of smell came from that? It smelled um, really strong, like perfume. Yeah, it's, it's, it has yeah. that beautiful lemon scent. And the beauty about that plant, your dad can plant that or you can plant that in the tunnel. And that's going to help to keep the green fly and the bugs away from all the plants. I brought you a few radishes as well. And also a carrot variety called Mastro, which is a carrot root fly resistant variety. And those particular carrots, they're going to grow a little bit like the twisty fries. You know the twisty fried chips? Yeah. Curly. Those carrots are actually going to grow that way. 
so the roots will grow in a little spiral and they're lovely as baby carrots I also brought you some cauliflower to plant and I brought you some edible begonia so you can actually eat the flowers of the begonia plant as well and they'll be lovely as a garnish um, the English marigolds and I brought you some seed as well they're in here in the box somewhere a little packet of nasturtium seed um, a different variety to what you have already where is it? Well, oh, look at them here so a little packet look at them they're, co- they're called orange troika and they've got variegated leaves so the leaves are actually white and green and the flower is orange so that's going to be something different for you to grow. So you can sow those. You can sow them in pots or containers. You can sow them in the in the uh, tunnel, and they'll do very, very well. Oh, that's very nice. Thank you, Warwick. Now, you were saying to me, Barry, about the compost. You, you make your own compost. Yeah, so um, a big thing for us here, I suppose, especially when we don't grow our own, is even when we're getting veg in, there's a lot of trimmings and stuff like that. Now, we do try and use as much of the trimmings as possible back into the plates. Yeah. Um, the likes of all our cauliflower leaves, outer cabbage leaves and stuff like that, we ferment it into a kimchi and we put in our bow buns for a takeaway. And then the likes of broccoli stalks and stuff like that, we would uh, slice them really thinly and dehydrate them, make them into powders. Same way with uh, beetroot. Uh, we do roll beetroot and a beetroot, or roll goat cheese in a beetroot powder to give it a nice pink effect and a lovely beetroot flavour. But what we can't use, yeah, we have two, two big, I suppose I'll describe them. They're like, um, it's like four pallets put together really. Yeah. Uh, with a roof on it so these are our two compost bins so we have these on the go all the time so any trimmings that we can't can't use in the kitchen we do put them in here Um, we have a 50% mix of carbon and nitrogen so that's uh, 50% green 50% brown um, and keep them turned and they work away and you can see if you even go through some of our uh, outdoor beds here you might find bits of eggshells or different bits yeah so they're all decomposing and and the comp of the plants are really really healthy I've to come yeah like we we don't use any plant food we don't use any pesticides or anything here Um, all we use is uh, chicken pellets chicken manure pellets totally organic totally organic Yeah. yeah Brilliant, absolutely. Well, you can see it in, in the plants. And I like the way that you've done the compost bins. The air can get in into the um, into the compost, but also you have a little trap door at the bottom for easy access. Yeah, easy access as well, and, and also for turning the compost. Um, yeah, so it's just it's just a great way of uh, trying to be sustainable as possible and using up all, everything, you know what I mean? And less goes in the bin, the better, you know? So, Nora, for your fans on Facebook, what is the latest thing that you've been doing? I've been making syrup with with the little spruce yeah, with spruce the spruce shoots, aren't they? Yeah, they're like spruce tips. Yeah, they're the little yeah. conifers, the Norway spruce, and you you just take the young growth, which is kind of a light green colour, isn't it? Yeah. And what do you do with it? I um I kind of like cook it, and then I mix it up. And okay. then, and then there's kind of like brown syrup. Oh, lovely! And yeah. I, your dad said I can have a taste to it in a couple of minutes' time. It's going to be because yeah. I've never tasted spruce tips before or spruce syrup. So that's going to be a new thing for me. Yeah. You're always great. I know for baking, yeah. baking yeah. buns. She loves yeah. making scones. Scones. Yeah, making scones and bits. And I, yeah. I think you and I met back at the start of COVID, back in 2020. You were only four then. Isn't that right? Yeah. So what age are you now? I'm six. And do you really enjoy growing the vegetables? Yeah. And and do you tell me this, do you actually eat the vegetables at home? Yeah. <laughs> because you know the child that grows the strawberry eats the strawberry. So if we can get children growing 
they're going to eat their vegetables as well, aren't they? Yeah. I think the strawberries in our, gar- in our garden never make it to the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> and you like the raspberries as well? Yeah. Very good, very good. Well, look, it's been a pleasure, guys, coming down to see the urban garden. I suppose what you're proving, Barry, is that anybody, no matter what size their garden is, can actually start growing their, their own uh, edibles. Yeah, exactly. And I suppose the big thing, too, is with Nora and June and, and Tommy is, uh, you know, get children growing and yeah. get them interested in, in food. And, you know, if they're watching uh, something grow from seed right right the way through to fruit, uh, you know, they'll, they'll want to taste it, they'll want to Absolutely. try it. And, you know, it doesn't take a lot, you know, um, a lot of space or a lot of time, you know, and I think it's a great skill to have for life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the key thing I'm taking away from today is that that, that uh, whole idea of little and often, sowing a small amount, harvesting it and re-sowing again, little and often as much as possible. They're some family, aren't they, Pat Porrick? They are indeed. Out. It was a terrific, um, terrific day out. And both Barry and Nora are inspirational. I'm actually speaking about Nora on food uh, here in Mallow. So I have a couple of slides telling the the good Cork, Cork people that uh, to go onto uh, Nora on Foods uh, Facebook page and follow her because uh, it's an inspiration for their children as well. Uh, okay, but yeah, look, it, it it was absolutely fantastic. Now you went inside then, and I'm going to play this piece here now because I know I'm, I'm pushed for time here. But I'm going to play this little piece here of when you went inside tasting. Isn't that right? Yeah, I, that was absolutely fantastic. So we've popped into the restaurant here, the House of Plates. Nora, this is the fabulous spruce syrup you were telling me about earlier. Yeah. Can I have a taste? Oh, it's absolutely delicious. It's a really dark chocolate brown colour. Yeah. It's quite got a, quite a thick consistency. Well, not very too thick, but thicker than I expected it to be. But it's absolutely gorgeous. How do you make it? What do you do? You were telling me earlier that you you cook up the, the, the little tips. Yeah, and then we and and then it kind of melts. And, right. And we mix it, and it kind of goes like dark, and it turns into syrup. And do you add sugar to it, or do you add anything to it? Uh, no. Oh, it's nothing added. No. It's, oh, it's, yeah. it's absolutely gorgeous now. It really is nice. And and Barry was telling me that you put it on goat's cheese to, yeah. to sweeten the flavour of goat's cheese. But it'd be lovely on desserts as well, yeah, Barry, wouldn't it? it? would, yeah. yeah. Um, I suppose the idea came from maple syrup. So if they can make syrup from, from the maple tree, yeah. I, I always knew spruce tips were edible, but they weren't very pleasant to eat. Yeah. So we just boiled them up and brought it right down to a real thick syrup, and okay. that's the result. And, and yeah. Sieve it, sieve yeah, it through yeah. and pass it through muslin cloth, yeah. yeah. That's it's absolutely amazing. gorgeous. Now, Nora, I know that you're a big forager as well. You go out into, along the hedgerows, and you're picking various different plants. What do you pick at this time of year? I pick... Um, what do we forage up the lane? What we, do you find? We find um, veg pea. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's like wild pea. L- yeah? Yeah, so. and I love to pick it off and eat it. Do you? Yeah. And, and you were telling me you make, I saw some nettles as well. You make yeah. nettle pesto yeah. from the young leaves of, of the nettle, is it? Yeah, we, we like put on a glove and then we pick it. I bet and you we do. Cook it at home. Yeah, <laughs> and you make a fabulous pesto. Yeah. And you also pick the garlic, don't you? The ransoms, the, yeah. the wild garlic in the springtime. Yeah. So you're foraging from early spring right through until winter, really? All year yeah. round. All there's, year al- round. there's always something to forage. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. So Brilliant. I have a few bits and pieces here. Yeah, this, give me this a taste. One, this, this one here now, you can see inside pine, yeah. pineapple weed. 
Okay. So pineapple weed, you know, comes into yeah. season probably July and August. And it, again, it is a lovely pineapple scent if you crush it in your hand. Okay. So I wanted to try and preserve that flavor uh, somewhere. So we just infuse it in oil. So this is last year's pineapple weed. Okay. So I'll give you a little taste of it. Yeah. So again, just preserve the, the flavor oh, of yeah. it. Works so again, lovely. elderflower vinegar. Oh, elderflower. Yeah. So we preserve elderflowers and vinegar. And then this is elderberry balsamic okay. so the elderberries are in that one right so, so that's you, you, you just infuse the berries in in the in the vinegar in yeah the vinegar and, yeah. and so we're I just we're just coming into elder elder flower season, season now yeah. at the minute but yeah. where we live in balcarra we've a lane up the back of the house and we always try and not pick all the flowers if we pick all the flowers we won't have any berries, have the berries. yeah so yeah. but we, there's so much flowers on the, on yeah, the elderflower yeah. anyway another one here just and in season at the minute hawthorn flower vinegar oh, lovely so again, you just take the yeah. hawthorn flowers, flowers yeah. infuse them in... Infuse them, yeah. They have a real coconutty sort of flavour, the hawthorn vinegar. flowers. Yeah. Very similar as well to gorse. So that's the vinegar, and then this is gorse syrup. Oh, lovely. So we Give make a, a syrup out of the gorse. To that. So again, sort of a coconutty sort of a flavour out of that. Oh, lovely. Another one here as well is nettle syrup. Okay. So again, we cook down the nettles. Yeah. Right down to a glaze, and it makes a nice syrup. There's like a natural sugar in the nettle. And of course, nettles are, yeah. are edible. Rose hip. Rose hip, oh, They'll yeah. be in season probably September, October. Lovely, yeah. So they're just coming into flower at the minute. So uh, all of these are infused in vinegars in or sugars. And here's yeah. another thing as well, how we preserve wild garlic. So this is wild garlic. Okay. If you just want to taste that. Yeah. So what we do is we uh, we dry out the leaves. So we, oh, de so we dehydrate the leaves, mm. make a powder out of it. That way we avoid garlic 12 months a year. Lovely. And it's not too strong. No, so it's not. Lovely. Yeah, so it's mm. uh, dandelion vinegar. Wow. Uh, gorse jelly. Brilliant. Wild rose syrup. You know, we have loads of different ones. Yeah. Elderberry syrup. So uh, you use all of these berries yeah, in different ones. various dishes? Uh, yeah, that's a honeysuckle syrup. Lovely. So wild just, honeysuckle. Wild honeysuckle, yeah, Just exactly. take the flowers. Yeah, yeah. And, just take and the flowers and cook them down. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, Absolutely fantastic. And I suppose another thing as well is a lot of them flowers are edible as well. You know what I mean? We use them for leaves, for garnish. Yeah. Uh, just try and do something a bit different. Yeah. Uh, coming into season now at the minute is wild strawberries as well. Lovely, yeah. You know, the they're little alpine strawberries. Little alpine strawberries. Yeah. And you'll only get them for the next three or four weeks because yeah. all the other growth will cover them after uh, that. You won't be able to find them. You won't be able to find Nora them. Nora and June love uh, finding out the little wild strawberries. Oh, they're lovely, the aren't, they, aren't they, Nora? The wild yeah. strawberry. They're so sweet. Yeah. And such a small little plant. But if, yeah. you, if you come across them, they're absolutely delicious. Yeah. Well, very good. So look, at I've really enjoyed my time, guys, with you. The Gerben Garden is absolutely fantastic and it really shows, Barry, what people can do in a relatively f small space. And I loved the idea that when things are a little bit maybe scarcer in the garden, you're out and foraging. Yeah. Uh, we're always trying to preserve the season, as, uh, yeah. uh, as we say. Um, that... You know, we don't come into the winter and next thing we don't have any, any product available or any fresh produce available because we've actually been preserving it right throughout, you yeah. know, to, to, to make the season longer. Thanks, Barry. Thanks, Nora. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Bye. Bye. Uh, that was fantastic, Porrick. I tell you one thing, I really enjoyed that. It was absolutely super. Highlight of my week. Okay, then that is just about it on The Gardening Show. You're back in studio next week. I am indeed. Okay, well, enjoy the rest of your time down in Cork. And uh, thanks very much indeed. Any of the questions we didn't get to answer today, we'll answer them for you next week on the programme. So from all on The Gardening Show, uh, do take care. Look after yourselves. Thanks to Teresa, as always, for looking after us uh, throughout the programme. And we will talk to you this time next week.